Hello and welcome into another edition of The Front Office. I'm Tony Lombardi, along with my co-host Brian McFarlane, and we're both with the Russell Street Report. The Front Office is brought to you by Royal Farms. Start each morning with a hot, fresh cup of Royal Farms coffee. It's made one cup at a time from the finest coffee beans in the world. Brian, we're now almost a week into the new league year. It's been quite a busy one. Yes, it has. Um, Ravens actually stepped out a little more, uh, a little bit out of their comfort comfort zone than they normally do. On you know, on I, I don't know what the first day of free agency technically is anymore, but um, yeah, they they stepped out and uh, brought Marcus Williams in. It's kind of a different kind of signing for them. It's a young player. It's a young ascending player top of the market kind of deal, although actually they got him for a little less than top of the market. So that kind of worked out for them. And obviously then you have this Zadarius Smith drama, which uh, unfortunately didn't work out in the Ravens favor. So it's definitely, definitely never a dull moment. That's for sure. Yeah. And then there was Morgan Moses who fills a need and you got to like that because one of the objectives going into this off season was to try to create some more firepower across that offensive front, as well as some depth. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a guy, I mean, over the, the, our, you know, our podcast and others I've been on, that's a name I've, I kept coming back. It was a guy who for some reason seems to be undervalued. Um, so they got him on a pretty sweet, uh, sweet deal. Um, but certainly he's, he's, uh, he's durable. He, he barely misses games uh, and he's still, he's still relatively young and obviously tackles can play into their thirties. So, um, you know, so I thought that was a, a great value signing to go along with the more big, the bigger ticket item in Williams. And when you look at Morgan Moses and you look at the rest of the depth on the team, you've got a guy like Patrick McCarry, who to my surprise last year, Brian was very competent at right tackle. You know, the speed rushes sometimes he, he struggled with, but just a real technician. And once he gets his hands on you, he seems to do well. And I think Von Miller would even attest to that, but You've got that going on. And you've got Juwan James, a guy who today I think they had to commit, what, like $500,000 to him in terms of a option bonus of sorts? Yeah, yeah, they had a roster bonus on him. So, yeah, they paid it. Uh, according to uh, Jeff Shrebeck, they were planning on paying that. Um, you know, he's still – obviously he hasn't played in the last two years, so he's, I don't know that his roster spot is, is guaranteed by that because, you know, 500000 in the grand scheme of things – uh, isn't, you know, isn't the end of the world if they had to cut him and, and there'd still be roughly $2 million in savings. Uh, if they did, uh, they're not going to do that till training camp, obviously. But if, if things don't look good in OTAs and training camp, you know, they still got the flexibility, but it's, it's, it's worth, I think the 500000 500, is worth that risk um, to, you know, to hopefully get a good look-see and, and then see what, you know, like what you see, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully that does work out that way because when he did play, he was a very competent right tackle and a nice player. But the problem is he almost the opposite of Morgan Moses. He just doesn't see the field. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's always been his, the draw, you know, the drawbacks with him and, and his signing. So um, they still need to, you know, they, neither of them, I mean, James, I guess can play left tackle in a pinch. I don't know that you want to put Macari out at left tackle uh, for an extended period of time. So, seemingly, you know, whether it's a, a veteran or another or a swing tackle who can play both spots um, or through the draft, they still, uh, you know, the more recent news on uh, uh, on uh, Stanley seemed to be a little more optimistic um, that he would be back and that, you know, there shouldn't be any issues. But 
Um, you know, they, they definitely need somebody to plug and play there if they need somebody the first couple you know, weeks or, you know, or, or half of the season if, if, if uh, Stanley had to go on PUP. Yeah, I don't know how much you can read into this, but I'm going to do it anyway. The, when you see Ronnie Stanley on social media now, you see him a little bit more active on Twitter and seems to be a little bit more engaged. You know, he had the eyeballs on Eric DaCosta when they reported the Darius Smith signing. And I, I thought that is a positive sign because last year we didn't see those kinds of things from Ronnie. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And I know he's he's been, you know, he seems like he's out and about more <laughs> this year. I know he's doing, uh, I think he's part of uh, uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafoods uh, draft party with Humphrey. So, um, you know, that seems to be, if he's if he's gimping around, I'm sure there'll be reports how he looks that night. So Not quite. that might be that might be our next set of eyes to figure out, you know, how he's looking or if he's in a boot or something like that. That you know we're, that won't that won't go over well. But um, yeah, I mean that seems to be a little more optim, uh, optimistic feeling there for sure. Let's get back to Zadarius Webb. I mean, I'm sorry, Zadarius Smith, and you know the way that all worked out, it, it just seemed really odd, Brian, in that. An agent, a Baltimore-based agent, Dan Saffron, who has a good relationship with Eric DaCosta, and they report a deal, and then it almost seems as if the deal was never okayed by Zadarius. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that – I can't imagine that's the case. Um, I, I have – because, I mean, I don't think agents are going to, you know, I mean, the, the, that it was done had to come from somewhere. One side or the other or both had to feel it was done. So, you know, the, the report seemed to be that um, that they had a deal and then Zadarius backed out and then Zadarius and his agent submitted another deal um, and the Ravens accepted it and then Zadarius backed out again. Obviously, the timing of some of the the bigger uh, edge rushers uh, signings, you know, come plays into that. Probably um, he certainly, he didn't fire his agent <laughs> and his agent went out and got him a, you know, a, a better deal in Minnesota. So I, uh, you know, obviously I, if, if his agent was agreeing and Zadarius had never agreed, I mean, I think that's kind of a fireable offense for the agent. Um, and I don't know that you're going to, if, you know, if that's my, if that's my agent, I'm not going to let him continue to negotiate on my behalf. Um, because, because clearly somebody mis somebody misinterpreted his value. Um, now whether, you know, whether there just weren't any, um, offers right at that point and, you know, the Ravens came along and, Hey, it's a reunion. I loved it there. You know, the money's good. Um, and you know, none of the real big edge, uh, contracts had come out at that point. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's perplexing, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. And when you look at it, it's, you look at the deal that was originally agreed to, or at least reportedly agreed to it's four years, 35 million today. He settles with the Minnesota Vikings at three years for 42 million with an upside of 47 million. So that's a big disparity. I, I, I wonder if we'll ever really know, what that second offer that they made or, or second proposal that they submitted to Eric that was agreed upon looked like, I wonder how far off that was from what he eventually agreed to today. Yeah, that's, I think that's interesting because um, you know, the, the deal with the Ravens and you know, there he has that he had the back injury last year, but the deal with the Ravens, uh, you know, um, 
reportedly had 15 million in uh, incentives, which is a lot. Um, so he didn't play much last year. So, you know, making incentives easy for him to obtain, but not count against the cap this year would have been very, very easy to do. So, you know, but I can't imagine it was, you know, would have been very 15 million, very easily attainable ones. So, um, so it would have been, I mean, I, I thought that was going to be an interesting contract from a cap perspective to look at. And also I wondered now the rate, a lot of teams use per game roster bonuses. So for every game you play, you get, you know, you're on the 53, I'm sorry, you're on the uh, 46 man active roster, you get paid extra. Um, so I was wondering since he didn't play at all last year, or I guess the last game of the year and then in the playoffs, um, I was kind of wondering if they were going to kind of break their tradition and you, cause that would seemingly be something to use. Those wouldn't count against this year's cap since he only played one game last year or actually um, 17 of them, 17 of the 18 wouldn't count against the cap. Um, but it, you know, he would earn them and then they would count against the cap next year. So I thought that was, uh, would have been something that the, you know, that for him would have made perfect sense as a way of keeping that first year cap number low, that wouldn't have been part of the 35 because it was, it was not something he attained last year. So that, um, I was kind of hoping for a, a little bit of different kind of contract for the Ravens, but obviously it, it didn't come to pass. Yeah, that's a smart way of really carving that up because, like you said, easily attainable incentives that weren't part of what he did last year because of that injury. Basically, if he shows up, he, gain, he gets those incentives, right? And, and if that's the case, it's a creative way of presenting that contract to Zadarius and, and still keeping some cap money aside for some other things that the team does need. Now, one of the things that they do need is a center, you know, and Bradley Bozeman, when you look at how that value really tumbled, I mean, when we first started hearing about what he was looking for, and I think the word was that they submitted an offer to Bradley, a multi-year offer back in December that was turned down and, I think they countered with something around the $11 million per year range. He hits the market, ends up with a one year with a $2.8 million deal. I think that shocked most Ravens fans. Well, I mean, I, it certainly did. And I think it's I don't know the right way to put this, but the story of the off season for the Ravens is um, values, uh, you know, agents maybe, but, or the media mouthpieces for the agents, you know, totally missing values. We just talked about Darius Smith and, and the, you know, the undervaluing of what the Ravens signed him to, or, or, you know, agreed terms with him. And then you have Bozeman and, and uh, Patrick Ricard, you know, Bozeman was allegedly asking for 11 to 12, you know, he was going to be a t- top five paid center, things like that. That was a lot of the scuttlebutt, I guess. And then Ricard was looking for tight end money and he, you know, he was looking in the, you know, seven to $8 million a year range. And he ended up settling in the four uh, or in the fours. Um, So yeah, it's interesting how that all played out. My sense of what happened with Bozeman, obviously clearly misinterpreting his value, but you know, once he turned that deal down in December, the Ravens pivoted, and that's when they signed Macari before the last game of the year. 
um, and got him done because that obviously the Ravens always like going into the draft, having somebody to pencil into each spot as a starter. I mean, obviously not all, not, they all can't be all world, all pros, um, but have somebody there, you know, comfortable with. And Macari gave them the ability to, to be that in several places. So, and you mentioned center, but right now I think he's penciled in as the starting center. And once they signed Moses, any, any return from, uh, for Bozeman was gone. Any, any avenue to return. Um, because I, I, you know, it, 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 you know, but as much as Bozeman loved Baltimore, um, and, you know, had found a home, I can't imagine if the Ravens on a one-year deal didn't offer 4 million, you know, that he wouldn't have taken it. So I'm just, I just have to assume that, you know, the Ravens had moved on and once they invested in Macari and then once they invested in Morgan Moses, that that was, you know, that door was shut. I know a lot of Ravens fans will speculate that maybe there's something going on with JC Treader and that's a guy who could fit. He's a former teammate of Kevin Zeitler's and should, would really fit well into the way the Ravens have that gap scheme with, with their, their run running game. And so when you look at that and you see that Treader's still out there in the marketplace, maybe the marketplace for centers isn't all that in demand. And I find that a bit surprising given that Ryan Jensen, who by the way, was, I believe the 14th ranked center. If you put any stock in PFF grades, relative to Bozeman, who was the 11th ranked center and Ryan Jensen gets a three-year $39 million deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's what Bozeman's, you know, uh, representation certainly thought maybe not 13, but certainly up in, you know, uh, you know, the 10 pluses. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I said all along, I thought Bozeman was a, a seven to eight to 9 million a year. And, you know, that's seemingly in the range that, that the Ravens offered. Um, Turns out, you know, maybe the Ravens got saved. I don't know, you know, in a, in a way. And yes, Treader's out there. I mean, I, you know, I think we talked about him last week. He might even be a better option. Of course, we thought Bozeman was still getting in the, you know, around 10 million when we had that conversation. So right. we thought you could Treader for cheaper. Maybe Treader's the more expensive option now. Um, I do like that he's still out there because that's certainly an option. And then you've got Macari, maybe Macari, you know, uh, is, is then truly the swing tackle. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't have to worry about him practicing at center and he can actually practice at both tackles. I'd still like a, a young, a uh, young player in there. And, you know, but then if you have a higher draft pick, you have James, you have Moses, you have Stanley, you have Macari. I mean, yeah, that's five deep, the, the five guys that can play your tackle spots with Macari basically being able to play everywhere. So, I mean, that, that's uh, way better than what we were looking at last year when we were, you know, when we pulled, when they, when we thought they were pulling Macari off the scrap heap and it was a godsend, but uh, I don't think they want to have to go through that again. All right. Before we leave the topic of Moses and Williams and some of the other new deals that, you know, the details on, uh, I guess we don't really know what the actual numbers are for Michael Pierce yet, but Moses and Williams, their cap numbers for 2022 are, um, so yeah, so they're, um, uh, let's see, uh, Williams is just over 4 million and, um, and, uh, Moses is 2.58 if I remember off the top of my head. So, um, yeah, so I mean, those now I'll tell you the, the structure of, of Williams deal is heavily backloaded. Um, so, you know, that's something that, 
they've they've gotten away from, which tells me two things. Well, one, they obviously they had more they had plans for and Zadarius Smith was part of that plan. But, you know, they had plans for bringing in uh, another at least another free agent. So seemingly they've got you know, they still got money to do that. And um, and then that they think that the cap is going to raise pretty substantially by, you know, within five years, because um, the uh, Williams uh, final year cap number is over 20 million. So um, that, that says to me that they're definitely, um, they definitely are in business, but it, but it also means that they're expecting some major cap jumps, which, you know, when it comes to Lamar, that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, and when you look at the, the cap picture and you wonder what that backloaded deal looks like, Maybe the youthfulness of Williams being only 25 years old and he's playing a position that does have a little longevity to it has something to do with that as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that, that doesn't mean he'll ever see that actual cap number because it, it may be restructured before then or extended. Um, and, and sometimes that's a, that's kind of the agent's trigger. Okay. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get this, we'll get this high cap number. And if you want to keep him around, then, you know, you don't want that cap number that high. So that triggers, that forces an extension, um, you know, as opposed to a cut because you, you, you still want him around. I know you haven't seen the numbers of Michael Pierce yet, but given the Ravens history of making deals like that with players of his age, what would you expect his cap number to be in 2022? Yeah, I've kind of been estimating both he and Ricard and a probably be, might be a little less, but probably in the 3 million range. Um, if you figure both of them, um, the minimum salary for both of them uh, is, is going to be around a million. Um, if they get a signing bonus um, that the proration is a mil, you know, is two that would, you know, for Ricard, it was a three, were they both three-year deals? They're both three-year deals. Yes. So if they got a $6 million bonus, um, then that would be a $2 million proration. So add that to the million dollar base salary and you're, you're at three. So both of those, I think will probably, oh, they got Moses down further than that. Um, but I think both of those would be around three and then keep in mind since they're, they're being added to the roster, um, that's offset by in the rule of 51. So that 3 million is reduced by 895,000. So the impact on the cap at this point for both of them is probably going to be a two or around two, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Now you mentioned restructures and we haven't seen any of those yet. Are you surprised by that? You know, I, I am and I'm not. Um, obviously they haven't needed that cap space. I mean, you know, we, we've had these discussions about the effective cap space and, you know, all the, all the future expenses. Well, those expenses are future expenses. So they don't really, you know, I mean, and obviously now if they had gone out, if Darius Smith had actually signed and then you're bringing it, you're still bringing in Pierce and you're still bringing in Ricard, they probably would, they'd be awfully close right now, if not. Um, so, you know, those things, they're ready to go. Um, all they need to do, in fact, they have um, automatic restructure provisions in their contracts. So they basically you know, do it, send it to the agent, send it to the player, send it to the league. You know, we've restructured this player. Um, here's your check for the player. Here's your check. So, um, you know, so that works out uh, pretty well for them. So, you know, they could do it at any time. There just hasn't been the need. And, you know, 
I, it was unlikely to happen. But if they got totally shut out in the free agent market, then they wouldn't they may not need to restructure anybody. So, you know, why do it before you have to? I know a lot of a lot of fans. I've been asked a gazillion times on Twitter. Why haven't they? Why haven't they? Why haven't they? Well, again, why do it until you need to? Right. Right. It's like why use the credit card and you have something you want, unless you have something you want to buy. Yeah. If you got if you got cash in your hand, then why, you know, why put it on the credit card? Sure. Right. So where are the Ravens currently without doing any of those restructures against the, with the cap situation? I'm going to guess um, they're probably around five to six million uh, would, would be, man, again, that's guessing. That's, that's, you know, basically what we just talked about with Ricard and, and, um, and Pierce. Uh, I would think they're probably down um, it, probably in the five to six range. Um, maybe, maybe a little more because again, that those offsets help. And you're talking about, you know, Moses, I mean, Moses really only hit the cap about a, a you know, a million and a half based on the offset. I mean, his, his signing, uh, based on the offset. So, um, you know, so that's every time you sign somebody, somebody else comes off and right, you know, right now, like I said, that's not, it's basically 900,000. So it's almost a million. Every time somebody signs, they're getting offset by that, that 900 grand. Now, if there are a few players that we've talked about in the past that we either agreed or disagreed on whether or not they would be around uh, for the start of training camp or even before the draft comes around. One of those guys, Miles Boykin, I know there's been some discussion about trying to trade him. I, I don't know what Eric DaCosta could get for a guy like Miles Boykin. I've said if he can get two 50-gallon trash cans for him, I think that we make him executive of the year. But uh, And I, surely I jest. But Boykin just doesn't seem to me to have a lot of market value. But why do you think he's still around? Could it be that they might do the same thing with him that you suggested before with Chris Westry and say, hey, we'll keep you around for this number, but not for the number you're, you're set to make? Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it could be that it could be again, they don't need the cap space yet. So, you know, maybe somebody comes along and offers them something. Um, I, you know, I would think the best they could get would be, a, a you know, Boykin and a pick for a slightly higher pick, maybe. Uh, so it's not so neither So the team that's trading them isn't really even losing a draft pick uh, or trading for him, I should say, isn't actually, you know, losing a draft pick to get him or it's a conditional pick next year, uh, you know, so that he's got to make the roster this year or play in a certain number of games, you know, can, conditions could be all kinds of different things. So, um, you know, I, but again, why do it until you need to? Um, and, you know, if they're, if they, you know, if this is it, they're, if they're done for free agency, if they don't sign anybody else, then, you know, maybe he goes into training, you know, maybe they don't need that space right now. Maybe he goes into training camp. Maybe you trade him during camp because he has a, you know, he has a great uh, preseason game and, you know, a, a team that's hurting at wide receiver wants to take a chance on him. So, I, you know, I mean, there's until there's a need, I, you know, why, why, you know, why do anything? Now, the only drawback is if you at some point, it's not a drawback for the Ravens, but it's, it's not necessarily player friendly business is, you know, if they hold on to him till the draft and then nobody wants to trade for him in the draft and they cut him, then that doesn't do Boykin a whole lot of favors because he's lost, you know, two more month and a half for, of free agency. And then all the teams that might've needed a receiver have now, um, 
you know, drafted receivers and, you know, might make, you know, might, might get hard for him to find a new home. So, you know, they've always been, you know, generally pretty user friendly or, or I'm sorry, player friendly um, over the years. So, you know, but that's, but from their perspective, I mean, from a team building perspective, why get rid of them? I mean, God forbid they have a rash of injuries like they did last year, but you may need them. Shifting gears a little bit, Brian, I wanted to talk a little bit about probably the biggest news to hit the NFL this offseason. That is the Browns trading for Deshaun Watson. They send, I believe, I don't have all the picks in front of me, but I, I believe it was three first round picks, a second round pick, a third round pick, and a fourth round pick for Deshaun Watson. And I think that the Texans send back a fourth round pick. Plus, the Browns give Deshaun Watson a five-year, $230 million deal, all of which is guaranteed. Now, we haven't talked about this, and I don't know where you stand on Watson relative to Lamar Jackson, but i got to think that Lamar Jackson is sitting back with a big smile on his face just watching all this unfold with all these quarterback signings and Matt Stafford and Aaron Wilson – I mean, Aaron Rodgers and – they're, he's just letting the market unfold in a way that's going to benefit him. But $230 million guaranteed, I got to think, number one, I think Lamar Jackson's a better player than Deshaun Watson. And number two, I don't know that the Ravens want to do something like $230 million guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, um, I think Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback I think Lamar Jackson is the more dynamic player because of obviously Lamar's the much better runner not that Watson can't run but nobody runs like Lamar let's face it you know so I mean I I I think there's so I mean you can you can weigh which is more important and you know which which you know how much better is Deshaun as an actual quarterback versus you know, how much better is Lamar as a runner? I mean, I think they're relatively even, in my opinion, they're relatively even players. But, I mean, the, the key here is, you know, I mean, the, the Browns just, there cannot be any team in the NFL that is happy with that contract. Um, leaving aside, I mean, especially when it's a guy with legal issues, because Lamar can walk into the Ravens and say, I want that same deal. And I, I'm squeaky clean, you know, <laughs> and it, you, I mean, you know, and if I'm as, you know, with, when I said Lamar's the more dynamic player and Watson's a better quarterback. So, I mean, if, if you call them even or relatively even at worst, you know, um, Lamar's got a, a, you know, that's a precedent that, that's hard. Now, Watson seemingly was a different scenario. I mean, and it's Cleveland. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I could, I could, you know, when, when Roger signed his deal, you know, at averaging 50, I said, well, I think that's an outlier because he's a hall of fame quarterback, you know? Um, and I, you know, I don't, I didn't think that one really would affect Lamar as much other than maybe giving him more reason to say he, he can be paid above Mahomes, which I thought was the ceiling before that. Um, but now Watson goes 46 million a year and that fully guaranteed thing. And that's that's huge because some of the rumors about Lamar is that, you know, a lot whoever's advising him and clearly that's never been disclosed. Um, I have a feeling I'm 
and I'm not going to say it, but I have a feeling who I know one person might be. He's very good with the cap. He's a former agent. Um, and he often writes about fully guaranteed contracts. Um, and Lamar might be that guy to, well, actually Watson just did it, but Lamar might be the guy who really solidifies that with the fully guaranteed contract. And that's, I mean, that's scary. Uh, you know, I mean, the Browns were obviously uh, desperate. <laughs> they often are. And, you know, they, they, you know, getting, uh, they, they've tried and tried and tried and tried to get back to relevance. And, you know, they kind of did two years ago and then it kind of fell apart last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, the fully guaranteed, I mean, that gives Lamar, you know, I wrote about it on Twitter over the weekend. That gives Lamar a lot of ammo to say now whether he can ask for 50 you know, whether Watson's at 46, he, you know, I mean, Lamar says, look, I'm again, I'm, I'm, you know, you're not going to have a off field problem with me, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think now he's in that 40 to 50 range and, you know, if he wants to press for the fully guaranteed, the only, the only option the Ravens have is to, you know, to play this year out the way it is and tag the next year and tag the next year and then see where they are. And by then they've paid a lot of money out, you know? Yeah. You know, I think that that is the way this is going to play out because of what's happening in the marketplace that he's going to play this year under the, what's it, Brian, 23 million and change that he's going to get. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's the, the fifth year option of 23. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that he's going to play that out that way. And then we'll see because the, the outlier or the wild card in this whole thing with Lamar is that, we're not really sure if that bad stretch last year is indicative of what we can expect going forward, or was it that good stretch at the beginning of the year without any assets around him that he kind of won, put the team on his back and yeah. won games. So if they fix that offensive line, they get their running backs back, they've got receivers and a tight end. If they add another weapon there, whether it's another tight end or whatnot, that that's all good stuff. And if, if then, you still get the same kind of results from Lamar or just slightly better. And they don't really advance much further in the playoffs. Then if he comes at this time next year and asks for a five-year, $250 million deal, which would be guaranteed, or there's a team out there that says tag and trade him. I'll take that deal and we'll give you three number ones. I think Eric DeCosta would be hard pressed not to take that deal. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's hard to, you know, because there there's the two tags, um, which would be an interesting, will be an interesting decision. The, 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 the non-exclusive tag, which would come in about probably 35 million. Um, but that comes with the right to match, you know, comes with him, him being able to negotiate and the right to match for the Ravens. And then, um, but that sets the limit at two first round picks. Because if some team wants to wants him, they just sign him with an offer sheet. If the Ravens match, they match. But if they don't, so that that kind of sets the maximum uh, compensation at two first round picks. That if you go to the exclusive tag, now you're looking at a tag. It's probably going to be in the forty four range, um, and but that means teams can't negotiate. But you the, you know the Ravens can let him negotiate if they want. But that's where you say, yes, that's where you get the three first round picks or, you know, so it, 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 while it shoots their cap in the foot, 
it, I think you got to go with the, the exclusive tag in that case. Um, but that does, uh, you know, that does set it up um, differently. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that'll be interesting. But, you know, I mean, he's betting on himself in a way because he gets hurt and, you know, all that leverage goes away. And if he doesn't play really well, as you said, um, you know, I, I, I don't see how he gets – he hits that top of the market. I mean, if – you know, if you just take his stats this year, combine good and bad, and, you know, say that was his season, and if he has that same, those same season numbers, hopefully plays more games, but, you know, has roughly those same, you know, QBR numbers and rating numbers, and, you know, and um, then, yeah, I don't, I don't know that he can ask for $50 million at that point. I, I don't see it. Uh, it's, it's a tough situation for Eric to be in, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, each year seems to have, a new flavor, Brian. And what I mean by that is this past offseason or in this offseason, we've seen a tremendous amount of movement with some big name players. You know, we, we already mentioned Watson, Russell Wilson goes to Denver, Matt Ryan to a lesser degree goes from Atlanta to the Colts. Matthew Stafford last year went from the Lions to the Rams. So we're seeing a lot of that movement with such emphasis on the quarterback position. But I know one of the things probably triggering some of that movement is that this isn't a very good quarterback class coming into this the 2022 draft. The 23 draft looks a little bit better, so maybe things will change a little bit. But it, it never gets dull when you're covering the offseason because it's your time of year, and it's also a time of year where I know that Steve Bichotte has always said it's his favorite time of year because he's building rosters and or, or contributing to build rosters, and, and that's what he did as a personnel guy to make his fortunes. But it's just one of those things that we're going to have to wait and see for the Ravens. And I think waiting and seeing in the case of Lamar Jackson is the best and most prudent way to go. Yeah. I mean, with the $23 million number, um, you can do that, um, you know, and if they're prepared, obviously have to, you know, I'm sure it's part of their calculations now as they're signing guys. And that's why, I mean, again, I kind of mentioned the, you know, Marcus Williams uh, contract was highly backloaded. And that, and his salary this year is basically a million dollars. His salary next year is a million dollars to keep that, um, those two cap numbers very low. And I have to assume that 23 number is, is, is that way, because if that, you know, if they have to tag Lamar and you're looking at, you know, 44 uh, million on that tag that they needed to keep, um, you know, that they needed to keep that number for Williams much lower. Do you expect, and the Ravens do seem to have the wherewithal to do this if they want to, to add a couple of mid-range, a couple more mid-range signings. And the guys that, you know, you hear kicked about lately, or we mentioned them earlier, J.C. Treader and even Bobby Wagner, the linebacker who I know that the Ravens have interest in. I don't know if the price tag is going to be prohibitive, but, you know, those guys are still out there. Do you see them making those kinds of moves so for the balance of this offseason? Yeah, I mean, they certainly have the ability to do it. And, you know, as we said, they haven't actually restructured anybody. So if if somebody comes along that, you know, they like, that they need, they can certainly get them. And and like I said earlier, you know, when you if you're structuring deals the way they are, you know, you've got the ability to, you know, Williams is at four million uh, Moses on a decent deal at 2.58. And again, you're, you're offsetting those by somebody coming off the roster. So even those cap numbers, as far as the overall impact on the cap are, you know, are lessened that way. So they certainly have, uh, 
the ability to make moves. Um, and, you know, I think those right now, I guess, other than a, a rusher, I mean, um, you know, uh, it would be nice to get an edge of some sort. I'm not sure there's much out there. Uh, Barnett in Philly's probably the top guy left. Um, Clowney, I guess, but it doesn't sound like the, the Ravens have ever really been too interested in him. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, you know, then there's some of their own, they might look to bring back, um, you know, we, we've talked about Westry before, maybe they bring him back at, you know, and that's, but again, that's not going to have much of an impact at all on the cap. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think they've definitely got the ability to do, uh, to make some more moves. Um, just kind of, I mean, you know, guys, oh, well, Clias Campbell's another one that, um, you know, still out there that, you know, expressed an interest in wanting to come back, uh, you know, whether they would bring him back, not, nobody else on their list anymore, really, really would amount to much. He's probably the most expensive, but, you know, given the way the market is, uh, this market was kind of, um, a little depressed, I think in, in a lot of ways we, other than the, the contract that uh, Jacksonville game gave to the wide receiver from Arizona. I mean, there haven't been any deals that were just like, wow, you know, most every year there's a that wow deal. This is Darius Smith when he went to green Bay a few years back was a wow deal, you know, uh, top of the market, the, the Jensen deal when he left was kind of a wow deal um, the way those guys got paid. And this year, and I guess it's because of the, the effect still teams feeling the, uh, the effect of the pandemic and, and uh, the, the, you know, the drop in the cap last year and the cap increasing a lot this year, but still below, well below where it would have been. So I think that probably has to do with it. And I think maybe that's where, you know, some guys like Bozeman got really squeezed. Okay. Hey, folks, we've got a surprise for you. Joining us is a voice many of you are familiar with. He was the co-host for the Saturday morning football show in WNST locally, as well as the beat writer for the Ravens for the Carroll County Times and the Sun. He moved on to the Houston Chronicle covering the Texans. And today he's doing great things as an NFL insider for Pro Football Network. Please welcome in Aaron Wilson. Aaron, how are you? Does is like suck on the nutsack of like Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. And I've written the two best features on both players since he's been there. So I don't know. I would say and he, replaced, he replaced my guy Les. Les is like my favorite person in the entire world. So it pissed me off, and I never got a call. I would say he's the twelve of you usually, but he's one of our. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. That's funny. Well, it was a good introduction, anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. He's doing great things for Pro Football Network. But anyway, maybe next time we'll get him on. <laughs> I'm going to leave it on just for the heck of it, just to see what's said. But um, let's close this set one out, Brian. The front office right. is brought to you in part by Royal Farms. Ground just seconds before brewing. It's the freshest coffee in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm at RSR Lombardi. Brian can be found at Raven Salary Cap. On YouTube, just follow us on Russell Street Report. And please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, folks.